the work that you call us to, on the life that you have for us. So again, refocus us this morning, Lord, on the promises and the grace and the mercy that is given to us and found for us only in Jesus Christ. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. So over the past two weeks, I've had the opportunity to uh, go on vacation and was very blessed to have two guest preachers come in and and serve, one of which I believe uh, told a couple jokes about me. So uh, just ignore that one. I don't even know who he is. So no, I'm just kidding. That was my good friend and pastor, Alan Buss. But what a blessing that was. And uh, as my uh, family and I went on vacation, did a little bit of staycation, a little bit of time away on vacation, I realized that there are really two kinds of vacations that people go on and two ways that people take vacation. Some people like this type of vacation. This is the let's go out on the lake with nobody around, have no agenda, wake up whenever we want to wake up, go to bed whenever we want to go to bed, take naps whenever we want to take naps. There is no time frames, there is no things we have to do, there is no people bugging us all the time, and we are just going to have a calm, restful vacation. And then, there are some of you who like that one. That is the, all right, we're going to wake up at six o'clock because the park opens at eight. We got to get there at eight because we got to get on this ride first. And if we get on this ride, then the next one we can hit is that one and that one and that one, which means that we can have lunch at 12.07 on the dot. If we get lunch at 12.07, we can be done by 12.26 so that we can get on this next ride and go here. And then the children are pulling you along and they're pulling you this way and they're waking you up and then you want to go back and take a nap, but they don't want to take a nap because they need to get on the next ride. And by the end of the day and by the end of the vacation, you come home and go, I need a vacation from my vacation right and some of you are like that and it is not calmness it is chaos so which one are you which one of those vacations are you no matter which one we are the fact of the matter is is that we may love this type of vacation we may love this type of life but we don't always get that kind of life do we In fact, many of us run after that calm, serene, easy, stressless life, only to realize that chaos is going to hit us without us even knowing it, without us even being prepared for it. My family and I went to the Dells during our vacation time, and, and we spent our time at Noah's Ark, but one of the other parks that we've gone to in the past was Mount Olympus. Have you been to Mount Olympus before? Now, a lot of the kids in here are like, yeah, I've been to Mount Olympus. So, so uh, and one of the, the places that we went, and we were walking by it on the way out probably about five or six years ago, was this pool. It's called Poseidon's Rage. I don't know if you've ever been to Poseidon's Rage. So we were told it's just a wave pool. I'm like, all right, it's just a wave pool. We're not. We're done for the day. We're going home. It's no big deal. Everybody has been to thousands of wave pools before. I had never seen a wave pool like this one, though. And the reason is, is because if you've never been there, this is what a wave at Poseidon's Rage looks like. Yeah, so you have people who are standing or swimming all the way at the front of the pool, and then all of a sudden the wave comes out and it nails you. And it looks like a, a human wave, like basically a human wave of people somersaulting over each other, being swept all the way to the back of the pool. And I have to say that there are times where life feels like that, doesn't it? 
There are times where we are in the midst of calmness and everything seems okay and we're floating along on the inner tube and things are no big deal. And then all of a sudden, this eight-foot wave hits us out of the blue and we are just holding on and tumbling for dear life because life goes crazy and things get out of control. And we've all experienced that. In fact, some of you understand what chaos is like because all you have to do is pull out your phone, turn it on, hit the calendar app, and look at your calendar for next week. And you know what chaos looks like. For some of you, you know what chaos looks like because all you have to do is go one app over to the right, which is your mail app, and look at your email, and you know what chaos looks like. For some of you, it's the to-do list at work. For some of you, it's the to-do list at home. For some of you, that chaos comes because of broken relationships or a broken marriage or children who are struggling through life or rebelling against you or it's expectations that are placed upon you or it's hopes and dreams that are unfulfilled that you're continuing to strive and run after. And you and I, we face the chaos of life. Today, we got to install Christine Young as our Director of Christian Education And I hate to tell you, Christine, ministry has chaos. It does. And not just for those who are called to serve in the church, but ministry has chaos for all of us who serve together. For you and for me, because we're all called to ministry here at Grace and in our community. And so when we do that ministry, when we act as the hands and feet of Jesus, when we serve other people, when we reach out to our neighbors in their time of need to share the message of Jesus Christ, we get into the midst of their chaos and their chaos becomes our chaos because we do this life and we live this life together. This is what we're going to see in our psalm. The psalm is going to talk about chaos and calmness. And we're going to hear that verse, that famous verse, be still and know that I am God. But the question for us is how can we be still? In the midst of a world that is filled with chaos, in the midst of the storms and brokenness of life, in the midst of a, a world that seems out of control and lives that seem out of control, how do we find calm? When life is filled with chaos. If you would open up your Bibles to Psalm 46. Psalm 46, you can find that on page 471. Page 471 in your Bibles uh, that are in front of you. If you brought your Bible from at home, Psalm 46. You can open up on a Bible app on your smartphone or smart device. Psalm 46, verse 1. One of the things I love about the Psalms is as we look at the Psalms, and the reason I want you to open up, even though the words are on the screen, is I'm going to go back and forth between a couple of verses in this, is that, that one of the, the beautiful things about Psalms is Psalms are very much different than other types of Scripture in that the purpose of a Psalm is to evoke an emotion and to create an image. So whenever you're reading a Psalm, you should listen for what do you hear if you were actually hearing the psalm and, and if you would hear this psalm, there would be noise with it. What are you seeing and what emotion is the psalmist, in this case David, seeking to evoke inside of you? Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is broken into three parts. You can actually see it because each part ends with this word that none of you probably have any clue what it means. Uh, Selah, because actually we don't necessarily even have a clue what it necessarily means except for some musical term that was used at that time to instruct them on how to sing or play the psalm. So Psalm 46, you'll see three different sections. The first section. 
God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its raw waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Notice right away, David starts with a promise. And he says to us that God is your strength. He is that ever-present presence in the midst of the struggles and the difficulties and the brokenness of life. Notice right away, he doesn't tell us or promise us that God is going to remove our problems from us or remove us from our problems. But he says in the midst of those problems, God is going to be ever-present. He will be there. He will reveal himself in your struggles and in your difficulties and in the things that seek to overwhelm you, that he doesn't disappear, that he isn't absent, but that God loves you so much that he is present in the midst of the things that seem to overpower you. One of my favorite images with that is this. A preacher would always say this, that that God doesn't drive an ambulance. And I've shared this with you before. But I think that's such a significant image because I think we sometimes feel that that's what God does. Is that, that we have a brokenness in our life, we have a pain in our life, we have something that happens in our life where things start to fall apart and then we cry out to God and God shows up kind of like an ambulance at the scene of an accident and then God's like, well, what happened here? How'd you mess this up? And he turns and looks at like one of the angels that's present. He's like, weren't you supposed to be watching them today? Like, like how did you mess this up? Like, that, that's not how God works. God isn't absent in our struggles and then shows up later, but God is forever present in the midst of them. Some of you probably were following the news and saw what happened with that soccer team, the one that got trapped in the cave with the coach. And it took many weeks for them to get them out and they had to figure out how to get them food and how to get them out of the cave and everything like that. And I remember hearing some people say, you know, well, where was God when they needed him? Where was God in the midst of that? And the problem is is that many times we don't recognize where God is in the midst of our struggles because we don't see him. In fact, we're going to see that in a little bit, how significant that is. But God says, promises to us, that I will be your ever-present help in times of trouble. And he goes on and says, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way. In fact, that's one of our greatest struggles, is that you and I, we trust in things that give way. We trust in the things of this world. We trust in our own strength. We trust in our own power. We, we trust in what other people tell us and friends tell us. Uh, we trust in, in, in what the world tells us and the, what the world says we should value. We, we trust in the things that other people value or that we value. And when we trust in these things, these things that are of the world, these things become sinkholes to us. We think we have parked our lives in a safe spot so that we can have solid footing in our lives. And after parking ourselves in this safe spot, in the midst of the things of this world, we end up finding out that the things of this world cannot stand up under the weight of this world. And sin and brokenness. And all of a sudden, the ground goes out from underneath us and the earth gives way and we start crying out, God, where are you in the midst of this? When we have placed ourselves on things that can't hold us and the hold the burdens of this world up. And we all know what it means to have earth give way underneath us. Maybe that's because there's been a cancer diagnosis in you or in someone that you love. Maybe that's because of a hospitalization of a loved one. Maybe because that's a, because of a death of a loved one. Maybe it's because you got laid off from your job. Maybe it's because there's some financial distress you're facing. 
Maybe it's some other thing that's coming against you. But we have all dealt with an earth that has given out underneath us because it doesn't stand up to the weight of the brokenness of this world. And so the psalmist continues and he says, using a second image, he says, Therefore there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdom totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Do you see the, the two images that are compared between the first section and the second section? Notice the, the image that's compared in the first section and the second section of the water that is present. The water of uh, verse 3 where it says, the water of this world, it roars and it foams. It is that tsunami, it is that wave that seeks to overcome us. But then he goes on and says, but there is a river, there is a water whose streams make glad the city of God. It's this image again. It's the image that's found in the book of Revelation of that, that sea of crystal clear glass. That calmness that only comes and only flows out of the gifts and promises that come from the holy city of God. The new Jerusalem, heaven where we will experience that perfect peace one day, now but not yet. There's also another image where in the first section it talked about how, how the earth gives way and the mountains will be thrown into the heart of the sea in verse 2. He goes on then and says in verse 5, but God who is in the midst of his city, that city, that ground will not be moved. And God will help her at the break of day. He says, if you park your life in the right spot on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that ground will not be like that other sinkhole. This ground will stand up no matter what comes against you. There is a greater power that is found in Jesus than there is in anything that this world would ever offer to you. And then he finishes with the refrain. He says, for the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Now that fortress, we understand, is not a fortress that removes us from the struggles and the brokenness and the pain of life, but it is a fortress that is there for us in the midst of those struggles and the brokenness of life. In fact, one of the, the, the promises that God makes is found in that word, in. He's repeated it twice. The psalmist has repeated it twice in the psalm. In Psalm 46, verse 1, he says, He is a very present help in trouble. And then he goes on in verse 5, he says, God is in the midst of her. He says that in the storm and in the trial and in the brokenness and in the pain and in the suffering, I am the God who is ever present and I am with you no matter what you are facing in your life. I may not save you from the struggles of life. That's not the promise I make you, but I will save you in the problems and struggles and pains of your life. And then he finishes up this section by saying this, Come therefore and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. For the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. He says there's always going to be things beyond your control, but they're not beyond mine. And those things, that brokenness of sin that seeks to destroy your life, I will destroy it. Notice that's what he says. He says, I will make war cease. I will break the bow. I will burn the chariot. I will destroy these things. Because those things which seek to have power over you, I have power over them. 
Therefore, be still and know that I am God. I love that phrase, be still. In the Hebrew, that actually, that phrase, be still, actually can be translated, let go or release. This past week when my family and I went to the Dells and we went to Noah's Ark, one of the rides that we went on, I think it was called Flash Flood, you get in a boat and there's about 16 people in a boat and it just goes all the way up about four or five stories and then goes around and then drops straight down into the water and then the water sprays all over everyone and you get wet and then it just comes around and you can just keep going around and around in a circle on that boat. Well, I had one daughter, and she told me I could tell the story but not use her name. So I'm not using her name. But, but she uh, refused to go on that ride all week. And so it took four days' worth of coaxing her. And finally, on the fifth day, after a little bit of bribery as well, I got her to go on the boat ride. And so I said, I will sit right next to you. So we get, get to the front of the line, and I pick the best spot on the boat for someone who is going for their very first time, and that's the first row. So we get in the first row, and uh, we're sitting there, and my daughter's sitting right next to me. And as, as the bar comes down, she immediately she just grabs onto my arm and just holds onto my arm. And I look at her, I go, just so you know, um, I'm one of those that puts my hands in the air. So, so when it comes time, we're going to put our hands in the air because I don't put my, you know, you don't have to hold on. This bar is holding on to you, so you don't have to hold on to it. You can put your hands in the air. So, so we get to the top, and I'm going, it's time to put your hands in the air. And as we start going around, she, she does the Lutheran hand raise, which is this thing right here, right? Because that's the one where nobody can see that you're raising your hands, but you can still kind of raise your hands and praise God, right? So she does the Lutheran hand raise type thing, and, and then all of a sudden, um, as we're about to go down, and she thinks that I'm not looking at her, she all of a sudden goes, bam, and grabs right back onto me. And we get back, we get to the bottom and get splashed, and we're all wet and soaked. And, and uh, my daughter looks at me, and she goes, well, at least I put my hands in the air for a second. And I thought to myself, isn't that how we as Christians sometimes act, though, in life? Like, God says to us, you don't have to hold on to me because I'm holding on to you. You can let go because I never will let you go. And because I've got you, you can just enjoy the ride and put your hands up and and just enjoy what God is doing in your life. But instead, we kind of do this little Lutheran hand raising and then life gets tough and bam, we just hold back onto whatever we can grab onto, whether it's the person next to us or the thing in front of us. And God is saying to you, be still, let go. And know that I am God. And the struggle we have is to go, well, how? Well, God tells us how, because sometimes we miss that there are two sets of commands in here and not just one. We always focus on the be still and know that I am God, but there is a command that comes before that where the psalmist says, come and behold the works of the Lord. The reason that you and I can be still and know that he is God is because we have come and beheld the goodness and grace of God. We can be still and know because we have come and we have seen the promises that are made to us in the waters of holy baptism and in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, in the hope that is ours, that when you and I come and we behold in the word of God the great and holy works of God and the salvation that he has worked for us in the way that he has healed, in the way that he has cared, in the way that he has loved, in the way that he has sacrificed, in the way that he has given in his life, when we come and see, we can be still and know. Because God promises us this, that Christ has power over whatever seeks to overpower you. We will be shaken, but we will never be broken. We might get beat up, but we will never 
be beaten because the power that comes from God is a power that resides within you and me by the promises that we have when we come and behold the great and holy works of God. We don't have to ask in the midst of turmoil, God, where are you? Because we know where he is. He is the one who is holding on to us as we are going through the struggles of life. And today as we have commissioned and installed Christine here, and and this is her confirmation verse, Psalm 4610. Just a reminder to Christine and to all of us that as she serves in student ministry and we all serve to care and love on our students, that the lives of our students, they are filled with chaos as well. They are filled with craziness. They have friends who are sending them messages, parents who are sending them messages, people around them who are sending them messages, teachers who are sending them messages. They have their own values. They have the values of this world. They have the world we inherit. They have the struggles of life. They are in the midst of chaos, and we are called to enter into their chaos to remind them to come and see the great and holy and awesome works of God that He has done in their lives. And this is not just Christine's calling. This is all of ours. That we have all call, been called to come and see that we, so that we can enter into the chaos of the lives of others. That this ministry that Christine has been called into and that, that Christiana has been called into and Deb has been called into and our teachers have been called into and Bill has been called into and I've been called into, we have all been called into that together. So that as the body of Christ, we might be reminded it is not our work, but his work. It is not our power, but his power. It is not our church. It is not our ministry. It is not our kingdom. It is not our glory, but it is to his and his alone. So that as the people of God, we can come and behold the great and holy works of God. And that coming and behold them, we can let go and go forth and do the ministry that God has called us to do for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God. Come and see so that you might be still and know that He is your God and He is forever with you no matter what you go through. In Jesus' name and to His glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the calmness that You give to us in the midst of chaos. A calmness that doesn't come because you still what is going on around us. A calmness doesn't come because you always still what's inside of us. But a calmness that comes because we know that you never let us go. So Lord, may we glorify you. May we sing forth your praises. May we stand firmly on the solid foundation that is the rock of Jesus Christ. May we come and see and behold the work of God so that we would never ask, God, where are you? Because we can always be still and know that you are with us, that we might exalt you each and every day of our life. We thank you, God, that you are a God who overpowers what seeks to overpower us. In Jesus' name, amen.